Bugs flying around my almost not taking a shower. <laughs> Chick, you look good this morning. I can see you. Fran, everybody's doing good. Uh, Sal's Dale. Yes. Coming online. Jesse, you make your wife feel <laughs> well, we've got we're trying to get a place where we're out of the out of the wind, but um, but everybody can still sit outside. You need a rocking chair. I've got a rocking chair. Anybody else need one? Come. <laughs> so I'm sitting here. Let's see. We've got uh, if I can spin my camera around and show you kind of. Oh, Starting to gather here, waving. All right. Jesse, what questions are we going to What are we going to study today? Maria, you got a question? You forgot. Maria says, I forgot. Okay, go ahead. Are like over three hundred prophecies. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so let me repeat uh, the question uh, for everybody. Uh, so let's see if I can uh, repeat it. Uh, so the question is, um, with all of the prophecies in the Old Testament, three hundred is how is it that Israel um, missed Messiah? Uh, particularly since they knew uh, the Old Testament uh, so well. Okay, so that that's uh, so that'll be our uh, question for the day, and we'll. See if we can answer that. I think it's going to be a two-part answer. But uh, let me open up a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for this morning, and uh, Lord, we, we Lord, we do lift up to you, Tim, and and Leslie, and the family, and uh, all of the leaders of the church. And thank you again for Jason and the uh, worship team this morning. And, uh, just pray that you continue to give them wisdom, and uh, Lord, that I know they're trying to anxiously get us all back together quickly. Pray that uh, that you give them wisdom in that. And Lord, we uh, commit this time to you as we uh, uh, talk about the scriptures and uh, and uh, learn. So we thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so let me do. Uh, so I'm going to flip over to my screen uh, sharing uh, so that y'all can see kind of where I'm going uh, with uh, in the the Bible. And those of you, you have to follow along in your own Bible. Okay. So the question is. How is it that Israel missed it? Okay. All right. Um, turn to Isaiah chapter one. Let's just start in Isaiah chapter uh, chapter one. Now, obviously, uh, Isaiah is not starting um, the discussion. He's he's uh, when you think Isaiah, we need to think basically, you know, eight hundred BC. That's a good 
a general marker uh, for Isaiah and uh, and his ministry. And so several, uh, Moses in particular, have already foretold of Israel's rejection of the Lord. Uh, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 1, um, listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth. I'm in chapter 1, verse 2. For the Lord speaks, sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its master, a donkey its master's major, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who have acted corruptly. For they have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel, and they have turned away from him. So the question is then asked, where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's nothing sound in it, only bruises and welts, raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. For your land is desolate, your cities are burned, your fields, strangers are devouring. And so this is talking about the judgment uh, that is coming upon Israel for their rejection of the Lord. Uh, and not only rejecting the Lord, but remember the reason that Israel is following the Lord, not only is because he's the creator God, but he's the only God that uh, brings deliverance, that Messiah is coming through through them, uh, through him. So uh, go to chapter six. Uh, chapter six is the commissioning of Isaiah and, and explains why Isaiah is called. And so Isaiah recounts the vision that he has. He says in the in the year of King Uzziah, uh, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, and the train of his robe was filling the temple. And the seraphim stood uh, above him, and and, uh, and they were all calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory, verse 3. Um, and then I said, verse 5, Woe to me, for I am ruined. This is Isaiah talking, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. And, and um, then he hears a voice uh, of the Lord, verse 8, saying, Who will I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, Here I am, send me. Verse 9. Uh, and so uh, he says, Go, the command of the Lord to tell Isaiah, Go and tell these this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive, and keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, this people being Israel. Uh, their, their eyes dim, uh, might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart in return, and I heal them. Right? And so Isaiah responds, how long, O Lord, uh, you know, shall I do this? And the response is, until the cities are devastated and without inhabitants, until the houses are without people, and the land is utterly destroyed. And, the Lord has removed men far away, right? So he's going to scatter Israel among the nations. And that's how long uh, Isaiah is supposed to preach uh, this message, okay? Now, um, how do we connect the dots? Go to, let me show you where this Isaiah 6 is quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Matthew and Mark and Luke, all three of the synoptic gospels that we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic gospels because they basically tell the same story. John is a little different, okay? Uh, so go to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 13. Matthew 13, okay, now, 
what's happened in the book of Matthew up until Matthew chapter 13. The Christ has appeared. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, Matthew walks down the genealogy of Joseph, who was married to Mary, to whom was born the Christ through the virgin birth. Okay, so that's chapter 1. Chapter 2, uh, Matthew validates the birth of Jesus and the identity of Jesus through fulfilled prophecies, kind of what we're talking about. These are all these fulfilled prophecies, uh, chapters 2 and chapters 3. Chapter 4, Jesus is taken into the wilderness uh, where he is tempted by Satan. He overcomes the temptation, so he is tempted as Adam was tempted in the garden, and he overcomes. Uh, and so, it again, validates his identity as the promised Christ. Then chapters 5 through 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, um, Hey, we lost your voice. Sorry about that. There we go. Um, uh, the uh, Beatitudes are straight out of the Old Testament. Uh, they Most of them come from Isaiah 40 to 66. as uh, an encouragement to the believing remnant who is waiting for the appearance of the Lord. Okay? Uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, they will be satisfied because the righteous one has come. Uh, chapter 8. Chapter 9, Jesus does miracles. Miracles like healing the blind guy, causing the lame to walk, and all this. Does these miracles that are demonstrations, validations for the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament, Isaiah 35. Uh, the Old Testament was looking for one who would cause the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dead to be raised. You remember when John the Baptist sends his disciples and they ask Jesus, are you the coming one or should we expect another? And Jesus tells him, tell him what, tell John what you've seen. Uh, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached to them, the dead are raised, right? And so these are all Old Testament validations, again, out of the Old Testament, that Jesus is the Christ. Chapter, that's chapters 8 and 9. Chapter 10, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Chapter 10 and chapter 11, well, chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples into Israel to get the response. The Messiah has come. Uh, the disciples go out into uh, to, uh, the people of Israel, into the land, and they proclaim that the Christ has come. And they come back and they say, man, Jesus, uh, we had authority over the demons. We were casting out demons and all this stuff. Okay. Chapter 11, Israel's response to Jesus sending out the disciples. They re reject Jesus. Chapter 11, chapter 12. Everybody tracking right along? So in chapter 13, let's pick it back up in chapter 13, okay? Matthew chapter 13, okay? So um, it was on that day that Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and a large crowd was gathered uh, to him. Uh, this would be the Sea of Galilee up in the north. And uh, he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on uh, the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables. Uh, the parables of Jesus begin at this point. Up until this point, Jesus has not taught in parables. He's just proclaimed the gospel, so to speak. Okay? But now, in light of Israel's rejection, parables. Stick to the on somewhere. 
Usually I'm not, but here I am. Okay. So behold, the sower goes out to sow seed. So you know this uh, parable, the parable, the sower goes out to sow seed, he sows the seed, some in the good soil, some in the rocky soil, some, you know, weeds come up and all this stuff. Okay. Uh, skip down uh, to verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Talking about Israel, these, these Jews who have had the kingdom proclaimed to, uh, to them, they've rejected it. And so now he's speaking to them in parables. And Jesus answered, he says to you all, the disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So this is one of the verses I often take my students to, uh, to teach them to, to interpret in context. And I ask them, what are the chances that, that verse 12 has something to do with verse 11, right? The sentence that follows has something to do with the sentence that proceeds, okay? So, so in uh, verse 11, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, to you, disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them, two groups, it has not been granted. Whoever has, more will be given. Okay, so who has something in verse 11? The disciples, and what do they have? Been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Who doesn't have something in verse 11? Everybody else, the Israel. Uh, and even what they have now will be taken from them. So whoever has more will be given, will have an abundance. The disciples are going to have an abundance of the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. But Israel will not. But even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. So in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not per perceive. For the heart of this people, Israel, has been rendered dull, their ears scarcely hear, and their eyes have been closed. Closed by who? Closed by the Lord. Their ears have been closed by the Lord. Their eyes have been closed by the Lord. So what happens in the book of Isaiah is that uh, Isaiah is told uh, that, um, uh, that he's going to go proclaim the gospel to a people who the Lord has blinded. Blinded so that they cannot see what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, he stopped up their ears so that they cannot hear the word of the Lord. Then he has left them, he has dispersed them among the nations, and he has left them lame in a foreign land so that they cannot return. Remember, uh, at this uh, uh, point, lame people couldn't travel, right? You didn't have wheelchairs, and you didn't go down and park in the handicapped spot and go get on the plane at the airport and fly back to the promised land, right? And so they were blind so that they couldn't see, the word, uh, see what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord, deaf so that they couldn't hear the word of the Lord, lame so that they could not return. But when Messiah comes, his ministry is going to cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. And uh, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 31, do you know this verse? Those who wait upon the Lord will mount up on wings like eagles. They will walk and they'll grow weary. They're running up to think. Where are they walking to? Where are they running to? This is Israel who's been dispersed returning back to the land, right? They will 
uh, returned to the Lord on highways. Right? Uh, and so because of Israel's rejection, continued rejection of the Lord and of his Christ, per God's plan, we can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 32, where this is all foretold. And, and Paul's going to quote this in Romans 9, 10, and 11. That, that the way that the gospel was because of Israel's rebellion. Israel was going to rebel against the Lord, so the Lord was going to blind their eyes, deafen their ears, leave them lame in a foreign place, uh, because Israel had gone and served the gods of the nation. And so because they went and served the gods of the nations, gods in whom there is salvation, the Lord was going to go to the peoples of the nations and proclaim his gospel to bring those people in. So it was through Israel's rejection the God and that's what you see happening in the book of Matthew. Go back to the book of Matthew. Let me show you uh, some things. Everybody knows uh, Matthew 28, right? The Great Commission. How's that go? All right. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28. This is at the very end of, uh, of Matthew. Let me uh, my screen sharing back uh, back up here. Um, so at the end of the book of Matthew, all authority has given, been given to me, Jesus speaking, red letters, verse 18, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, command to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What age? End of the church age. Okay, that, that the Lord is going to accompany the word of the disciples going out to the nations, even to the end of the nations end of the age, going out to the nations. Go back to chapter 10, okay? Matthew chapter 10. This is where Jesus summons his disciples. He sends them out, okay? And this is the instructions that Jesus gives to them. This is in verse 5. The 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, do not go to the Gentiles, and do not go to any of the cities of the Samaritans, but rather go only to the perishing sheep of the house of Israel, right? So how do you apply that verse to your life, right? Jesus tells his disciples, don't go to the Gentiles. At the end of the book, Jesus says, what? Go to the Gentiles, okay? Well, what's happened in between Jesus saying, don't go to the Gentiles and go to the Gentiles? Israel's rejected. And so Israel rejects uh, the message of the disciples, as we talked about this morning in the, in the service, uh, as prophesied by Isaiah, they've rejected the words of the disciples. And so because of their rejection, in light of their rejection, the Lord has continued their blindness, their deafness, uh, left them lame in foreign lands, and now the gospel is going out to the Gentiles. And this is what Paul explains in Romans and uh, Galatians, that it is through Israel's rejection the gospel has come to the Gentiles. And so the Abrahamic covenant, Remember this in Genesis chapter 12, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay? That's what's going to happen. But how that blessing comes to the Gentiles is through Israel's rebellion. Does that make sense? Okay. So, uh, so that walks us through Matthew. Now turn to Romans uh, chapter, uh, chapter 10. Paul is right in the middle of explaining um, exactly what we've just been talking about, that through Israel's rejection, the gospel has come to, uh, to the Gentiles, okay? Um, 
He's talking about Israel not having heard. He says, of course they've heard. Uh, their, the, the proclamation of the gospel has been made very clear. Their voice has gone out through the whole earth. But I say, Israel did not know. And he says, no, no, of course they did. For Moses said this, I'm in 1019. I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation, talking about Israel. I, the Lord, will make you, Israel, jealous with that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding, I will anger you, talking about the church, talking about Gentiles. And again, Isaiah was very bold when he says, I was found by those who did not seek me. Okay, now, what's he talking about? Uh, Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah. Um, the Gentiles in the Old Testament never sought the Lord. Uh, in uh, Psalm 10 and Psalm 5 and Psalm 14, the Lord looks down from heaven to see if there's any who seek the Lord. Uh, he looks down on the sons of men. He looks down on the Gentile nations to see if there's any one of them seeking the Lord. There's not a one of them, right? And so in the Old Testament, the Gentiles didn't seek the Lord. They went and served their pagan gods. But in the Old Testament, Israel was always told to seek the Lord, right? Continue to seek the Lord. This is why when Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open. He's talking to a bunch of Jews, right? Is this making sense? Everybody track along? Uh, and so uh, Isaiah, Paul quotes Isaiah here. He says, I was found by those who did not seek me, the Gentiles. And I was revealed, I revealed myself, or I was manifest to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all the day long I've stretched out my hand to an obstinate and disobedient people. And so I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. Write to him an Israelite, right? Uh, he continues. Look down to chapter 10, verse 13. Paul turns uh, attention to the Gentiles. He says, okay, I'm speaking to you Gentiles, so listen up. Insomuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen, who's that? The Jews, and save some of them. For if their rejection is the rec uh, reconciliation to the world, 11.15, whose rejection? Jews' rejection. If the Jews rejected Jesus, and that has brought reconciliation to the world, what does that mean? The gospel is now being proclaimed among the Gentiles. What will their acceptance be? In other words, they reject, gospel goes to the nations, and then when they accept, what happens? When does Israel accept? They accept at the return of Christ. Right before the return of Christ, they accept. And so what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead, eternal life. Resurrection happens when they believe Christ returns. So if the first piece of the dough is holy, the whole lump is holy, right? So he continues, if some of the branches were broken off, talking about Israel, and you, Gentiles, being the wild olive, were grafted in among them, and you became partakers with them of the rich root, don't be arrogant against the branches, right? Uh, I say then, the branches were broken off so that you may be grafted in. Quite right, verse 20. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand firm in your faith, and do not be conceited but fear. For if the Lord did not spare the natural branches, Israel, neither will he spare you. So behold the kindness and severity of the Lord to those who fell severity, but to you, Gentiles, kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll be cut off. So he sums it up, verse 25. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, 
that uh, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, so let's stop there. So why didn't Israel get it? Well, two reasons. One, they rejected the Lord, and two, the Lord hardened their heart so that they couldn't see it, right? It's not that they wouldn't, it's that they couldn't see it. Now, I know what you're gonna say. Uh, you're gonna say, well, that's not fair. Okay, all right, so let's move back. So let's finish this, and then we'll move back up because Paul's already addressed that question, okay? So he says, I don't want you to be uninformed, verse 25, of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation. The partial hardening of Israel has happened until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, just as is written, verse 28. So from the standpoint of the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your Gentiles' sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they're beloved. He, he made promises to them, and he's going to keep his promises to them. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you Gentiles were once disobedient, Old Testament time, but now you've been shown mercy. Through Israel's rejection, the gospel has gone out to the Gentiles. So also now these have been diso become disobedient. So through Israel's rejection, they're now disobedient, uh, so that God may show mercy to all. Now in Romans, all uh, doesn't just mean every person. All means Jews and Gentiles. Okay? That covers everybody, right? Jews and Gentiles, that would cover everybody, right? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For all who believe, the Jew first, and then the, then the Greek, and then the, and then the Gentile. So Jews and Gentiles, that's, that's all for Paul. Okay? All have been disobedient, Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles were disobedient without the law. The Jews were disobedient with the law. And so all have fallen short. Does that make sense? So he shut up all, Jews and Gentiles alike, in disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all, Jews and Gentiles alike. Is that making sense? Now, so now wait a second. Are you saying that Israel couldn't believe? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That he hardened their heart. You say, well, that's not fair. Okay, let's pick it up. So Paul's going to explain it. So go back to Romans chapter 9. Let's move up a little bit higher in Paul's argument. I'm telling you the truth in Christ, he says, 9-1. I am not lying. My conscience testifying with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Okay, so he tells you who he's talking about. To whom belong you, adoption as sons was given to Israel, but through Israel's rejection, the gospel has come to the Gentiles, and so now you are a son of Abraham through faith. Make sense? Because of their rejection. Uh, but they were given the promises, verse 5. Uh, they were promised the adoption of sons. They uh, To them belong the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of the temple and of the promises. Uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were their ancestors. Christ came from them according to the flesh. But it is not as though, verse 6, the word of God has failed. For they are not all Israel it's who have descended from Israel, nor are they all Abram's seed, but through Isaac. So he quotes, but through Isaac shall your seed be named. So why is not all Israel Israel? Because not all Israel believed. Not all Israel had faith. Verse 8, that is, it is not the children of the flesh that are the children of God. It doesn't matter your DNA. It matters your faith. 
but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as seed or descendants. And this is the very word of promise. At that time, Sarah will have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebecca, and she conceived, and she gave from one man, Isaac, two, two kids, two sons, twins. And even before, verse 11, they had done anything good or bad, so that God's purposes, according to his choice, would stand. Not because of works, but because of him who called, he said, the older will serve the young. Okay, so um, Esau didn't do anything uh, to uh, merit or lose God's favor, nor did, uh, did Jacob do anything to gain God's favor. Even before they were born, even before they did anything right or wrong, so that God's choice would stand, God said. Does that make sense? Just as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. He quotes Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. Say, so wait a second. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I loved less. That's not what it says. It says the Lord rejected Esau. Uh, Esau is going to go on to despise his birthright, uh, but the Lord chose Jacob, set his affection upon Jacob, just as he did Israel, right? Uh, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 10, that God picked Abraham, and he picked Isaac, and he picked Jacob, and he picked their seed after them, not because they deserved it, not because they were more righteous, but because he's God, and he does what he wants when he wants. Uh, when you're God, you can do what you want when you want, but until then, God's God, right? He continues. This is back in Romans chapter 9, verse 14. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. In other words, it is not dependent upon the man to receive mercy, but it's totally dependent upon God who gives it. He says, I will give that one compassion, and I will show my mercy to that one. Right? So then, verse 16, it does not depend upon the man who wills or upon the man who runs but upon God who has mercy. For the scripture says of Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then, he has mercy upon whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Now I know what you're going to say. See, Paul's heading you off at the past. He says, now I know what you're going to say. You will say to me then, well then why does he still find fault? If you don't have a choice, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? Good question, isn't it? Look at how he answers it. On the contrary, who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why have you made me like this, will it? Does not the potter have right over the clay to make from one a lump, from the same lump, one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Or what if God, all right, so, so he's talking about Israel. Remember, he's talking about Israel, these two parts of Israel. One's believed, the other part hasn't believed. He says, look, from the same lump, God can do what he wants with it. If he wants some to believe and others to not believe, he has mercy upon whom he has mercy. He shows compassion whom he has compassion. And others, he doesn't. That's his prerogative as God. And he's always done that. Kind of removes the boasting, doesn't it? Right? I remember at this point, it's always raises a question. Um, we were in systematic theology class. We were, uh, this was actually a soteriology class. Soteriology is the, um, 
of Salvation. Uh, Dr. Leitner, we called him Lightning Bob. Dr. Dr. Lightner, he had taught the Bible. Um, I think Jesus died and then he was born like three days later, so he had been preaching forever. And, uh, and so he, he, you know, we're all struggling with this as well. And he says, I know what you're going to ask. You know, students raise your hands and I know what you're going to ask, so let me just ask it for you. He says, You're going to ask me, why doesn't God save everyone? He said, I'm going to tell you that's the wrong question. And we're listening. He says, The better question is, why does he save him? He said, unless I've got this figured wrong, there's only one in the history of the world that deserved to be delivered. That's Christ. So the question is, why doesn't he save all? The question is, why does he save any? He said, then you need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask, why does he save you? Is there any merit that you think that you have or anything that you think that you've done that you deserve to be saved? What you'll find is there's none. He said, so let me answer the question. He has mercy upon whom he has mercy. And he has compassion on whom he has compassion. He just picture. Why me? And why not that one? Now, um, so Paul, so, so the next question then, which Paul addresses in chapter 10 is, now wait a second. Well, then how will they believe? See, we don't, we're not omniscient. And we're not omnipotent. We don't have the power to save anyone. And we don't know who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved, who's going to, who God is going to choose to set his mercy on and who he's not. And so the way God has set this up is through the proclamation of the gospel, you and me. We share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit works to convict this one of sin. So we're moved through the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit convicts this one of sin. The Holy Spirit causes that person to believe. And so it's totally and solely from the beginning to the end of work of God. And we somehow play a part in it. And then he rewards us for faithfulness. That's the part I can't figure out. Well, actually, I can't. He rewards us. He gives us this crown, these crowns of righteousness. Right? What would be the correct response? If, you, if you're seeing this right, and you're rewarded for something that you didn't do and you don't deserve, what would you do with the crown? What do the saints at the end of the story do with the crown? That's right, they cast it back at Jesus' feet. Why? I don't deserve this. You're rewarding me for something I didn't do. I, I, this was all the work of the Spirit of God through me. What do you, what do you reward me for? I don't need rewards. I need to be disciplined for when I was unfaithful. Not rewarded for when I was faithful. And the only time I was faithful was through the work of your, your spirit. And so Paul in chapter 20 says, so then how will they believe? Unless they have a preacher. Blessed are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel of goodness. So Paul walks us right through this. And so at the end of this story, you, you just, you're, you're taken aback by the sovereignty of God. The plan of God, um, the absolute power of God to do what He wants, uh, and then He chooses to set His affection and to take the gospel through Israel's rejection. So it's through the disobedience of some the gospel goes to others. And so go back to uh, to end, the end of uh, Romans chapter uh, ten. 
I'm sorry, chapter 11. And so this verse that we read in chapter 12 this morning in the sermon, 12.1, really uh, only makes sense after chapter 11. Doesn't, isn't that reasonable? (laughs) What he says at the end of 11 leads you right into chapter uh, chapter 12. And so uh, I do not want you to be uh, wise in your own estimation, verse 25, right? Uh, From the standpoint of the gospel, verse 28, they, Israel, are enemies of God for your sake. This is the context within which Paul says, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, right? Israel is enemies of God, and Christ laid down his life for his enemy, to save his enemy. And Paul believes the gospel. Before Paul believes the gospel, he's an enemy of God and persecutor of the church. So from the standpoint of the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your Gentiles' sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, for the sake of the Father, made from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob, and he intends to keep. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as y'all were once disobedient to God, but now God showed you mercy, Gentile, because of their, Israel's, disobedience. So now also these Jews are now disobedient because of the mercy shown to you, they may be shown mercy. So uh, back in chapter 10, Paul explains that because of the mercy being shown to you, God is in the process of making Israel jealous, moving them to anger, so that they will believe the gospel as well. Verse 32, so God has shut up all in disobedience, so that no one can stand before the Lord and say, I'm worthy or I'm deserving. No. He has shut up all in disobedience, so that he may show his mercy to all. Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Verse 35, or who has first given to him that it might be uh, paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. In other words, he deserves all of the credit. And we deserve none. Therefore, what's the correct response? See, if, if you've read chapters 1 through 11, right, you're sitting there at the end of chapter 11, you go, well, let's see, there's, uh, there's uh, you know, scum, and then there's lower than scum, and then there's at the bottom of the barrel scum, and then there's us, right? You got nothing. And he's shown mercy to you. So what should be the response? Well, Venture, uh, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. What mercies of God? The mercies of God have been shown to you. Present your bodies a living holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship of service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, recognize who you are in this equation. You got nothing to, to you didn't deserve anything you got, and you have nothing to offer. And he shows the set of affection on you. So let that sink into your little noggin and respond appropriately. With a renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so he's going to work through and explain how these believers then are all members of the body of Christ uh, that Christ laid down his life for them. Right? Is, that, is everybody tracking? Is that making sense? So the short answer is, why didn't Israel 
how did they mess it? The better answer is, um, could they have, there's no way they could have got it. Why? Because the creator God who's running everything or ordained their rejection so that he could bring the gospel to us. So I'm thankful that they rejected <laughs> that God is God and he's running his program just fine and he doesn't need my help. Right? I'm often reminded of uh, <laughs> what one of my professors, Charlie Bayless, uh, would always say, you know, because we think God needs, needs our help. And, uh, you know, hey, God, you need to get, get to work over here and judge these people. And, uh, and then he reflects on a passage like this and he says, you know, if I was God, I would have wiped me out a long time ago. I've told you this. And we all laugh. He says, oh, don't laugh. I wiped you out first. And, uh, you know, and so when you recognize what we get, versus what we deserve, it's a big difference. And so Israel didn't have a shot, uh, but God has always chosen and believed a remnant in Israel to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so what do we do? Uh, I don't have any new revelation. Uh, I was, uh, remember, um, it's been a couple years ago now, I was, uh, had a student, his name is Todd Cass. Todd's a pastor in, uh, here in, uh, yeah, Todd. It, it, Todd's been to Sunday school, and uh, he was auditing a class. He had gone through the program. He was auditing the class, come back, and, and I was teaching, and he blurts out in the middle of class. He goes, oh, you know, he's right there in the second. He goes, oh, Langler's not smart. He's just reading the Bible. <laughs> and then he kind of realized that that was out loud. You know, he's thinking it was out loud. He goes, oh, no, he kind of turned bright red. I said, no, no, that's exactly it. I'm not... None of us have any. We just go to the scriptures and we read them, right? Uh, and so we're not, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me. I'm waiting for the Lord to tell you how to live. He has spoken through his word, through the disciples. Now be thankful. You've been given mercy, give mercy. If you want to go be a mechanic, go be a mechanic. If you want to be a rock star, go be a rock star. Tell people about Jesus. You know, he can use you wherever you are. Uh, you can reach people that no one else can. He's placed you in the body, specifically with your gifts and your abilities for the building up of the body. So go do it. That makes sense. That answer your question. That's a long-winded answer to yeah. a question, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So so this is all going exactly according to God's plan. Exactly. He's not shocked by any of this, which shocks me. Right? It surprises me that he's not surprised. I think he should be surprised. <laughs> hey, you paying attention here, this coronavirus thing, he's going, yeah, you people are, I don't know, what's your fear? Uh, and so uh, you kind of get in this loop of trying to figure out, okay, so how do we respond if he knows everything's going to ask, ah, I give up. Yes? <laughs> Yeah, so, um, okay, so here's the question for uh, you folks online. So, uh, Maria, uh, Gloria, Maria, Gloria asked, um, uh, Fred and uh, Maria, Gloria asked, uh, so what's, what's our appropriate response? And I think 
in the church, we have been told, uh, you know, this is where Matthew 28 comes in, you know, go make disciples of all nations. That, that was the command for the disciples, right? Uh, the disciples' words are being taken to the ends of the earth. They have been taken to the ends of the earth. How do we know that? Where are we sitting right now? The word started in Jerusalem, and then it went out to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the other parts of the earth. Okay, so where are we? We're in Brenham, Texas. Where is that? That's other parts. <laughs> we are in the ends of the earth, and the words of the disciples have been proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And so I think um, students will come to seminary. They'll say, okay, well, I'm coming to seminary. I got to change the whole world, right? I've got to go be the next Billy Graham or Chuck Swindoll, or I got to go evangelize the whole world or whatever. Um, let me show you some verses. Let me uh, uh, balance some of these imperatives. So we, Jesus tells them, go make disciples of all nations. And we think, well, that's what I've got to do, okay? Uh, go to First um, Thessalonians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2. Um, Paul uh, is going to tell these uh, believers all kind. Of, he's always giving them, uh, giving them imperatives. Okay, um, um, he uh, explains that um, uh, that he didn't come to these Thessalonians with flattering speech. That he proved to be general, uh, general among them, and so he's exhorting them to continue to walk. In this uh, faith, just as you now are walking, exhorting and encouraging, imploring each one of you as a father would his child. That's what his ministry is to them, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own glory. So that's what our response is, or that was what the Thessalonians' response would be. Because of Paul's ministry, they were to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. For this reason, uh, we constantly thank uh, God concerning you, okay? So that's what he's doing. Then he continues uh, in chapter uh, three, chapter four. Uh, he tells uh, these uh, these guys, uh, verse uh, chapter four, verse eleven. Uh, pick it up in verse nine. Now, as the love of uh, now as to the love of the brethren. Okay, so he's going to instruct them. This is how you love the brethren. Chapter four, First Thessalonians, chapter four, verse nine. You have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, excel still more, and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly towards outsiders and not be an enemy. How about that one? Okay, what am I supposed to do? Uh, Make it your life, life's ambition to lead a quiet life. Work with your hands, be faithful. Right? Um, uh, he tells uh, uh, women in, uh, in, in uh, first, uh, ten, uh, first uh, Timothy, right? Uh, we tend to think that we've got to go change the whole world. You know, the Proverbs 31 ministry where you got to be up at night and up all night. You know, holy smokes, who can do this? Right? You got to go change the world. It says, oh, no, you be faithful at home. Be faithful as a mother. Be faithful as a wife. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful as a, as a husband. Be faithful as a father. Right? 
Um, I don't think that uh, you stand before the Lord. He says, all right, now, how many people did you say? And, you know, they score it up, and then that's where you get your rank. That's not how it works. How faithful are you? And faithfulness for you looks very different than faithfulness for me. Uh, faithfulness for Leslie Webb is caring for her parents. Um, and it's constant. We go over there and we visit them, and, and it is both of her parents, it is constant, constant need. She is being faithful right where she is. And so now this morning, faithfulness for, for Pastor Webb was being faithful to his wife, get his wife to the hospital, and then get home and take care of his mother-in-law and father-in-law. And so he didn't save the world today, but he was faithful today. Does that make sense? So we tend to think that we got to do this all by ourselves. It's not us doing, it's just our doing our part in the body of Christ, our little part. We're not all supposed to be Apostle Paul. Just do your little part in your family, in the body of Christ, and be faithful there, and you'll be rewarded for it. So, help Jesse eat pie dough. Make pie dough and eat it. And, uh, and so let me give you some specific application, Gloria. You can encourage the body of Christ by bringing David some of that salsa that you uh, that you made. Right? It's, uh, that's encouraging but, uh, David, the body of Christ. Uh, Yeah, for those of you who are on the online, just you know, comment here was where I feel like we're not not doing enough, or or you know, there's somebody always you know, doing more, or we could do more, or whatever. And then you wear yourself out. I don't know. Um, I, I remember thinking through this. I've, I've shared this with the Sunday school class before. Um, but it, it always comes back to motivation. It always comes back to motivation. Say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord more faithfully. So that I get more stuff. <laughs> I'm going to sacrificially be last now so I can be first in the kingdom. Well, I got news for you. You're going to be last in most places. <laughs> yeah. Right. So then my little brain gets to work and says, okay, I can beat this. I can beat this. Let me think. If I'm last now, but my motivation for being last now is being first in the kingdom then I will sacrificially go first now for my brother so that he can be last, so that he can be first in the kingdom. And then I get to be first again. <laughs> then I get to be first in both places. I'm going, no, well, you're still last. See, um, I remember talking with, uh, with Dr. Bayless one day, and he said, he said I, we were just talking one day, he said, there's a passage that's been bugging. 
what's that? He says, it's over there in, you know, at the end of Matthew, Matthew 24, Matthew 25. And Jesus, uh, he's rewarding these, these believers for being faithful. Uh, and so he says, you know, he separates the groups. And he says to the one group, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And he said, here's what's bothering me about that passage. He said, the people who he was rewarding, they didn't know that they did anything. Their response was, Lord, when did we, when did we feed you? When did we give you shelter? What? He says, when you did this to the least of these, you did this to me. He said, my problem is I'm over there keeping score. I know exactly when I fed somebody and when I cared for somebody. He says, but these people, they, they weren't keeping score. They didn't know. They were just responding. Uh, they were given mercy because they'd been given mercy. And then they're being rewarded because they were given mercy. So wait a second. I just gave mercy because I was given mercy and I was rewarded for it. So I don't deserve it. They didn't recognize they're doing it. And I'm over here keeping score. And so I'd say, hey, Bayless, I wish you wouldn't have shown me that passage because it's bothering me too now. Because <laughs> I find myself keeping score as well. Just be faithful. Look, if you're struggling with this, then you're probably doing okay. If you're not struggling and think you're doing just fine, you probably need to be struggling. If you think, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to church X number of times. I'm a deacon. I serve on this board, that board. I'm a big shooter. And I'm, yeah, you're, you're in big trouble. If you're over there thinking, Lord, I got nothing. I don't deserve anything of God. So why do you continue to show me mercy? That's probably about what so anyway, But we're out of time. So um, next uh, week, we're trying uh, just an update. This isn't official, but uh, a little birdie last night on the porch told me so I can pass along. Uh, just remind you that the pastor was here last night. I'm not saying who the birdie was. I'm just saying. We're shooting for it. So this is something we can be praying for. Um, we're praying uh, and hoping that we can have church together uh, the week after Mother's Day. Wouldn't that be great? Um, maybe at a, in a park or in a field. Fireman's Park, or if the city says we can't do it, I told Pastor, I said, I know a field. I got a field. Yeah. So, so uh, just be praying about that and uh, getting that body back together. Uh, for all of you people who are joining us from far off places, uh, maybe you can come, come visit. Field trip. Right? Stokes, I see you. Thank you, Dave. Yes, sir. Yeah, say hi to Katie. Yeah, we will. We'll say hi to Katie Stokes. Say hello. Okay. Say hey. 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 hey.